Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. And, and 
uh, Jessica, she was praying about it, and she just felt like God wanted her to stay on the mission field. And so she said, you know my desire to get married. If if, uh, if you want me to get married, you'll have to send someone to me. So God took me also Oklahoma, all the way to Congo, Africa, right in the middle of Africa. Uh, and uh, Jessica and I met on the mission field. And when she was checking me out and seeing if I was the type of guy she'd be be interested in. She decided in like 10 seconds that I was definitely not the guy that she would be attracted <laughs> And she didn't like my haircut. I used to wear my hair slicked back and she's like, that's just like a Tulsa preacher look kind of like that. <laughs> but uh, we became friends and then we got married uh, a year later. And, and so it's amazing how God uh, uh, brings people together. When you're in the center of doing what it is that God has called you to do, then God can get everything to you that you need. God can bring you the, the spouse that you need, the, the resources that you need, Amen. the people that you need. If, if you'll just stay focused doing what it is that God has told you to do, Amen. God will get everything to you that you need in your life. Amen. 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 I have some tremendous resources on the table out there. I wrote a book, The Secret of Obed-Edom. Hardly anyone's ever heard of Obed-Edom, but his story will change your story. That's a great book. Uh, you can become a master soul winner. I've also got a great book on the grace of God out there. You want to understand God's grace. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, controversy and different teaching on the grace of God right now, but my book uh, brings uh, clarity and, and a balance to the message of grace. That, that's really tremendous. And uh, then I've got a book, uh, Healing Power. If you need healing or if you know someone that needs healing, uh, this is a great book. And then I'm launching something new. I, I'm launching some online schools. And so I've got a school of healing that I've put together. Uh, with videos and written material on the subject of healing. And so if that's something that you want to grow on in your life, uh, we just put an online school. You can watch it from the convenience of your home, uh, anywhere you go, uh, just on your iPad, your iPhone, and uh, go through the School of Healing. And then I'm also launching a School of Evangelism. And uh, Dr. Jack is actually one of my best students. Young, I was I was praying and setting some goals for my lifetime. And one of the goals that I, I felt like God put on my heart was that uh, I want to raise up in my lifetime at least 100 evangelists who would each reach a million people for Jesus. Amen. And, and so that's a goal that I said when I was 15. When I was 15, I was reading a successful book. So if you want to be successful, you need to write down your goals. So one of the goals is that we go for young people. Is to try to lead a, a mil, or try to make a million dollars before the age of thirty to become a millionaire before the age of thirty. How, how many of you like millionaires before the age of thirty? Mm-hmm. Well, well, before I'm, the age of sixty. Yeah, there you go. Sixty. I'll take sixty. Well, before fifty-four. Instead of trying to become a millionaire to lead a million heirs into the kingdom of God. Amen. And so God started opening up doors, and and before I turned 30, we reached that goal of leading a million people to Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And now we're, we've gone over the two million mark. Amen. And my prayer, I'm asking God for a million souls every year. But I'm not the only one in the body of Christ that's called to be an evangelist. Uh, I also want to impart and help to raise up other evangelists. And, and so this was years ago. I said that goal to, to, to raise up at least 100 people in my lifetime that would each reach a million people for Jesus. Amen. And I think Dr. Jack was one of the first that said, hey, can I go and come on a trip? And then you came on a trip. And then have, have you reached a million people now? Come on, isn't that exciting? Amen. Amen. And there's, uh, there's three or four others that have also done it that have been able to influence and to speak into their lives. Um, and so, you know, I've got like, like uh, probably about five or six that are right there that have accomplished it. Uh, but I want to raise up a hundred for a hundred million souls. And so I'm putting together this, this school of evangelism. And actually, that's why I'm down here in Florida this week, that this, this next coming days... I'm going to be teaching at uh, a school of evangelism for Daniel Kalinda from Christ All Nations over in Orlando. So he has 120 evangelists coming. We're going to spend uh, four days intensely teaching them about evangelism. But if you're interested in being an evangelist, in, in doing uh, mass evangelism, we've got a school of evangelism online that's ready to go, ready to be watched anywhere in the world. And so I'm excited about that. Hallelujah. Well, this morning I want to uh, talk to you uh, from the book of Philippians. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to the first chapter of Philippians. And there's several different themes in this book. It's a short book, but one of the themes is Jesus Christ. He talks a lot about Jesus in this book and who Jesus is. Another theme is God the Father. Another theme of the book of Philippians is chains and being in prison. Because Paul actually writes it while he's in prison in Rome. And then the overriding theme of the book of Philippians is the idea of joy and rejoicing. Everyone say joy. Joy. Everyone say rejoice. Rejoice. Come on. Push the person next to you and just say, hey. You should be happy because Jesus is alive. Come on, tap the other person on the other side and say, put a smile on your face. Put a smile on your face. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Get some joy this morning. Get some joy this morning. Are you happy? Yes. Do you have joy? Yes. yes. Amen. Amen. And really, the, the sermon this morning, I'm, I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm, I'm preaching to you. Uh, because uh, last week, man, I was feeling a little bit down and depressed. How many of you ever felt that way? Ever gone through a time? Man, I was, uh, I, I had a situation where a guy promised me he was going to do something for me. And uh, we signed a contract, I sent him some money, and now he's not answering my phone calls. You ever been through something like that? And maybe he probably has the best of intentions, but man, it was just, I was like, man, I just sent him money. And, and you know, before I said, you know, when we were negotiating, he would 
answered every single phone call. We were talking and everything. And now it's been like a month. He hasn't returned a single call. And so now I was feeling down about that. Like, man, I, you ever been in a situation like that? And uh, I told Jessica, my wife, I, I, you know, I'm like, man, I'm feeling depressed. And, you know, my wife's like, Daniel, really, you should feel depressed. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, when, you're, when, you, when you go through situations and you start to feel depressed, really the cure for that is to turn to God's Word. Amen. And, and so, uh, since I knew that the book of Philippians is about joy, I opened up God's Word and began to look at the book of Philippians. Now, Paul, when he writes this, he's actually in jail. He's in chains. Mm-hmm. He was arrested in Jerusalem, and then he was kept in Caesarea for two years. Then he appealed to Caesar, and he was put on a boat, and as he's being in chains in the boat, he's shipwrecked. Finally, he makes it to Rome, and he is in chains, being held, in the household of Caesar, waiting for his trial date. And it could be tomorrow, and it could be ten years from now, it could be any time, you never know, with an emperor, because emperors do whatever they want. And so he's there, but the the Praetorian guard, the, the guards who guarded the emperor, are the ones who are in charge of watching over him. And he has a guard who is chained to his wrist. And so every day he wakes up, the guard is there staring at him. He has friends, different Christians from Rome that come and visit him. The guard is there the entire time. When he goes to the bathroom, the guard is there. He's chained to this guard. He's been in chains now for several years. And so it's not the type of situation that you would think that would be a situation where you have a lot of joy. But yet, when he writes this book of Philippians, he is continually talking about joy and rejoicing. And even in the midst of this very difficult situation, facing a challenge in his life, he's choosing to respond with joy. Amen. And so, that teaches us that even when... We face a situation, even when someone breaks their promises to us, even when there is difficulty and challenges, we can still choose to respond with joy joy, and to rejoice even in the midst of difficult situations. Amen. And so let's look at what he says. Uh, Philippians chapter 1 Verse 3, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so he's thinking about the Philippian church. He says, when I think about you, I pray with joy. Now that's how 
I pray when I pray for Dr. Jack and Pastor Murray. I think about them and I pray with joy. And I, I remember them because uh, they've been great friends for, for many years now, ever since that first mission trip. And we've been all different kinds of places. Uh, you know, uh, now we, I don't know how many different countries we've been to together. And, and uh, we're good friends. We, we enjoy uh, hanging out together and enjoy each other's company. And so when I think about him, I pray with joy because of our partnership in the gospel. Amen. We've partnered together, Dr. Jack and I, we've partnered together Amen. in the gospel. And then Paul is thinking about this book in the church. He says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So he's, he's remembering them. So really to, to understand who this church is, that Paul is writing to, we have to go back in Acts to the first time that he, he went to the city of Philippi. And, and the story is found in, in Acts chapter 16. So flip with me over to Acts chapter 16. So we can kind of have a picture of these people that, that Paul is writing to in, in Philippians. And so uh, in Acts chapter 16, uh, first of all, Paul has a vision of a man of Macedonia. So Paul's wondering, where am I supposed to, to go? And so he tries to go to Troas and preach, and, and the Holy Spirit shuts him, and tries to go over to, to Mysia, and the Spirit of Jesus says no. And so he's wondering, where am I supposed to preach? And then in the middle of the night, he has a vision of a man from Macedonia. And in his vision, this man dressed in the typical garb of the Macedonians, uh, speaking in the, the accent of the Macedonians, he says, please, come over here to Macedonia and help us. And then Paul, he felt like that was a clear sign from God, I'm supposed to go to Macedonia. So he gets on a boat and he goes over to Macedonia, and the principal city in Macedonia is the city of Philippi. So th this is the city that he has received this call from God to go and to minister in. And so he begins ministry here in Philippi. And the first person he ministers to, verse 14, it's this woman named Lydia, who is a dealer in purple cloth. And so purple cloth was very expensive. It was a very difficult process to crush up uh, purple seashells and then use it to dye purple cloth. So it was very, very expensive. So this, this woman was an importer of luxury goods. She was an entrepreneur. And, and so she hears the message of Paul, and she responds to it, and she gets saved. It says, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Verse 15, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. And so this woman, Lydia, becomes a believer. She's the first person saved in Philippi. And then the second person who's impacted by the gospel in Philippi is a slave girl. Verse 16, it says, When we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. And this girl earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. And so she followed Paul, and the demons in her cried out and said, These men are servants of the Most High God. And so this happened for many days. And finally, Paul got mad at the devil, and he turns around and says to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. 
in that, that moment, the spirit left her. And so the second person who's impacted by the gospel in Philippi is this slave girl who is demon-possessed, and Jesus sets her free from the demons. But because Paul cast the demons out of the slave girl, her owners got mad and said, we were making a lot of money by this woman giving people fortunes with these demons that were inside her. Now we can't do that. And so they arrested Paul, and they threw him into prison. So when Paul writes Philippi, the, the book of Philippi, he is in prison, but that's not the first time he was in prison. He was actually thrown in prison back in Philippi. And so he's been in prison before. He knows what it's all about. He, he's an experienced uh, prisoner. And uh, when he is thrown into prison in Philippi, what does he do? Verse 22, it says, The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in an inner cell and fastened their feet in the socks. And so this first time that, that Paul's in prison, his back has been beaten, he's been flogged, uh, the, the crowd is mad at him, he's thrown into jail, and they put his hands and his feet in the socks. And, and look at how Paul responds. Verse 25, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners... We're listening to them. So they choose to respond to this trial and tribulation mm -hmm. by singing and praising God. Amen. And so they begin to sing and to worship. And that's that's easy to preach about, but in the moment, it's hard to do. That's true. When you're facing a difficult situation, when someone cusses you out, you know, the natural thing inside of you is to want to... Yeah. Come at them. But look how Paul responds. He begins to sing and to praise and to worship God. And it says, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Dr. Jackson, no. shake it up. Everything is shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then asked the question that every evangelist would love to be asked. He says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Man, what a great question for Paul the Apostle to get, or, or for an evangelist to get. What do I need to do to be saved? Man, that is, I am locked and loaded. If you ask me that question, what do I need to do to be saved? Man, let's, let's pray right now. Let's receive Jesus. What must I do to be saved? And so Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And the jailer and his entire household get saved that night. And so... Here's the, the people in Philippi, the Philippi that, that Paul's writing to. It's, it's Lydia, the merchant who sold luxurious cloth, the woman, the slave girl, and this Roman prison, Roman prison guard, the jailer, who gets saved. Now, what's really interesting 
uh, about these three people in, in Philippi. I'm sure there are many other people that were saved in Philippi, but the book of Acts specifically highlights these three. It's very interesting. Because Paul was a Pharisee. He was raised as a Pharisee. And from uh, Jewish history, there is uh, one Pharisee who, who told us the prayer that all Pharisees prayed every day. And every day when they woke up, Pharisees prayed one specific prayer. And this is the prayer that they prayed. God, I thank thee that I was not born a woman. I thank thee, God, that I was not born a slave. And I thank thee, God, that I was not born a Gentile. Every day, the Pharisees would pray that prayer. And look who gets impacted by Jesus in Philippi. It's a woman, a slave, and a Gentile jailer. And it was like I was saying to, to, to Paul, everything's changed now because of Jesus. Amen. And I can use anyone. If you're a woman, I can use you. Even if you're a slave, you come from bad circumstances, I can use you. Amen. Even if you're a Gentile prison guard, I can even use you there. And so, these are the people that Paul is thinking about when he writes the book of Philip. He's writing to his people in Philippi, to Lydia, to the slave girl, to the, the jailer. These are the people he's writing. And he's thinking about it because he, he's in prison now in Rome, chained to the Roman guard. But he's remembering that the last time he was in prison, God sent an earthquake to break him out. And so he knows that at any moment, if God wants him to get out of prison, he can get out like that. God can send an earthquake at any moment. He was in prison in Philippi. God sent an earthquake. He was out within 24 hours. He knows that God can get him out. But he actually has chosen to be in prison because he appealed to Caesar. Because he wanted to preach the gospel to the highest level of society. And he knew that that was the only way that he would gain an audience with the emperor. And he wanted to preach the gospel to them. And, and so he knew that he was, even though he was in prison and facing a difficult circumstance, he knew it was for a higher purpose. That God had a plan, that God was using him to be there. And, and, you know, in the natural, we don't like to go through difficult circumstances. But you know God has it under control. And sometimes God puts you in the lives of difficult people because he knows that you need to be there to speak into their lives. Amen. And so, Paul, here he is, he's handcuffed, he's to this, this Roman guard, and every guard that comes in, he uses it as an opportunity to witness it. And so a guard comes, gets chained up to him, and he begins to share his testimony. He says, hi, my name's Paul. He says, I used to be called Saul. In fact, I used to kill lots of Christians. I, I'm a Christian now, 
And then one day, I was on the road to Damascus, and I saw a bright light, and Jesus spoke to me from that bright light, and it blinded me, and then I, I went, and uh, Ananias came and prayed for me, and now I was able to see, and, and so I became a follower of Jesus, and Jesus has completely changed my life. And he just sit there and witness to the Roman guard all day, every day, and the Roman guard couldn't escape because he was chained to Paul. And so the Roman guard would get saved. And it actually tells us in the epistles of Paul, he talks about how the household of the emperor is getting saved. And so these Praetorian guards, they were the ones closest to the empires. There were about 10,000. They were the elite soldiers of their day, the, the Navy SEALs of their day. And there were about 10,000 of them. And they were the ones that controlled Rome. And really, they got to control who would be emperor because they were the ones who guarded the emperor. And they could raise someone up and they could kill them if they didn't like them as emperor. And so they had a lot of power. And so these, these soldiers are coming in. And one soldier after another would get saved. Another one would get saved. They'd come and handcuff a new soldier to his wrist. He says, hi, my name's Paul. I used to be called Saul. I'm a Christian now, but I didn't always used to be a Christian. I used to kill Christians. And he would share his testimony with that guard. And so all these guards are getting saved one after another. And they think they have Paul captive, but Paul is really the one who has a captive audience and is using it as an opportunity to share the gospel. Amen. And it's because of his attitude of choosing to have joy in the midst of circumstances that he's able to be a witness there in Caesar's household. And so turn with me back to, to Philippians and let's look at some of the verses of, of what Paul says. And, and what I've done in my Bible, I actually uh, got a highlighter and I highlighted each one of these verses so that I can see all the different times that Paul talks about joy in this book. And so Philippians chapter 1, verse 4, he says, I always pray with joy. Then verse 18, he says, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. And so he says, I'm rejoicing, and I'm making the choice to continue to rejoice. Then verse 25, he encourages them to have joy in the faith. Then verse 26, he says, to have joy in Christ Jesus. So he's listing these different things that we are to have joy in. <clears throat> Chapter 2, verse 2, he says, make my joy complete. By being like-minded, having the same love, being one spirit and purpose. Then verse 5, he tells them, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. So he's saying, Jesus went to the cross and gave his life for our sins, but he did it with the attitude of a servant. He did it with an attitude of joy. You should have the same attitude as Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 6, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself taking made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So he's saying, you should have the same attitude as Jesus, who humbled himself and went to the cross, suffered for our sake, so that we could have joy. Then verse 17, he says, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. Verse 18, so you too also should be glad and rejoice with me. Chapter 2, verse 28, he says, be glad. Verse 29, he says, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him. Chapter 3, verse 1, he says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. So he's saying, rejoice, have joy in Christ, joy in God. And then he comes to this one, he says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. He says it again. Chapter 4, verse 1, he calls those who have been saved through his ministry, he says, therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord your friend. So he's saying those people that I've impacted, those people who have gotten saved through my ministry, they are my joy. They are my crown. They are my reward. So you, those of you who have been impacted by my ministry, you are my joy. Amen. Then Philippians 4, verse 4. Just in case his readers didn't get it any of the other times, he said it. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. rejoice. Amen. So he says, one more time. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then just in case you haven't been listening to anything I've been writing, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Come on, everyone say rejoice. 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 Look at the person next to you. Say rejoice. 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 And then verse 6. He says, do not be anxious about everything, everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. So he, he mentions praying with thanksgiving. And then chapter 4, verse 10, he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. So again and again and again in this book, he emphasizes this idea of joy, of rejoicing, even in the midst of difficult circumstances, even in the midst of challenges, even in the midst of being chained to a, a guard, he says, I rejoice here. He says, you rejoice greatly. Rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. He says, I always pray with joy. I continue to rejoice. I pray with thanksgiving. I joy in my faith. I joy in Christ Jesus. All these things that give Paul joy. He says, you make my joy. Hallelujah. And so we have this idea. There's really two contrasts in this book. Because several times he does mention his chains in being chained up. And so we have this contrast between what is and what will be. 
So what is, is prison? What is, is chains? What is, is trials and tribulations? But in the midst of what is, he points to what can be. Amen. And he says, look at what is coming. Look at what will happen in eternity. Look at what we have. We have salvation through Jesus Christ. We have hope. We have forgiveness. We have healing. And so, even in the midst of difficulties, even in the midst of uh, trials, even if you're facing sickness or lack, uh, needing something, uh, disagreements, we can still respond with joy. Everyone say joy. Joy. I think that's what we should say. And so praise God. This morning, I think God wants to pour out some joy. Amen. There's no reason to be sad. There's no reason to be depressed or worried about any circumstance. No matter what you're facing or what challenges there are. And you know, everyone has challenges. Amen. Just living life is full of challenges. Amen. But every day, in the midst of the challenges, we always have a choice. How are we going to respond? Amen. And the question is, will you respond with joy? Will you respond with rejoicing? Amen. If you want some more joy this morning, just jump to your feet and let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for an outpouring of joy this morning. I pray for an outpouring of rejoicing. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. And in God's presence, there is a fullness of joy. Yes, amen. God, your presence is here right now. Yes, Jesus. And we rejoice in you. We rejoice in your presence. Come on, just begin to rejoice. Yes, thank you, praise, thank you, glory, yes, glory, yes, Jesus, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Lord, yes, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, yes, Lord, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we rejoice in you. We rejoice in our faith. We rejoice in Christ Jesus. We rejoice because of those who our lives have impacted. Yes, Jesus. Oh, God, in the midst of difficulties, challenges. Yes, Jesus. We choose to respond with joy. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. That no matter what happens, no matter what attack comes from Satan, mm-hmm. we will rejoice. Yes, thank you. And again, I say rejoice. Woo, yes. We will rejoice in the Lord always. Thank you, Lord. Enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We will rejoice. Yes. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, everyone just pray. Say, God, give me new joy. God, God give me new joy. joy. I choose to rejoice in you. I choose, I choose to rejoice in you. And again, I say rejoice. And again, again I, I say rejoice. I speak to my spirit. I speak to my spirit. I say spirit. And I spirit. say spirit. Rejoice. Rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. I'm not sad. I'm not sad. I'm not depressed. I'm not depressed. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I'm not fearful. I'm not fearful. I rejoice. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Bless you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, thank you for filling our hearts with Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week and remember, the best is yet to come.